Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is Watchman Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli practitioners and experts on various fields of national security, intelligence, diplomacy, the military. And today uh, we are hosting for a second conversation retired Brigadier General Chezi Leder, formerly the Chief of Intelligence for the Israel National Police. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, you were assigned uh, in the uh, 1990s uh, to the United States as a liaison with uh, federal agencies and uh, probably the bigger police agencies such as the New York uh, Police Department. Now, at various times, the Israeli uh, police attaché uh, used uh, to be stationed in Washington, but in other times in New York. What was your case? Okay. When I came to the office of uh, head of intelligence in the national headquarters, we uh, checked all our bases of liaison officers from Moscow to Latin America. And West Interpol. Interpol and so, so on. And one of the, the decision was to move the office from New York to Washington for two reasons. First of all, when you're in New York, you work with NRPD. If you're in Washington, first of all, you work with all the feds, and you can work with all local PDs. Before I arrived to Washington, the, there was a visit of the of Louis Free, the FBI the, director. The, the FBI director, and he asked and he explained the commissioner that they don't want to work with Israel through their field office in in New York, and they want us they want us to move to uh, to Washington. Well, when I there was the decision that I will go to Washington. I went to the commission and I said, okay, I am the first one in, in D.C. and no more New York. Now, they also have the FBI, what they call legat, legal attaché in Tel Aviv. The, the FBI. The FBI. Uh, don't they work uh, through, uh, through him? Okay, well, it depends on your background or your, your back office, sorry. The, the bureau, of course, gave the, the power to the Likat in Tel Aviv. My back office in Jerusalem should have given me the, or be the backup for me versus the FBI. So it's, you know, it's a balance sometimes through the FBI, sometimes it's, it's, it's similar to what happens with ambassadors. Sometimes the American ambassador in Tel Aviv is more persuasive, more influential than the Israeli ambassador in Washington. 
to be more precise, when I came to Washington, there was a, a, a within the FBI, there was a one who played the role of liaison to me. Okay, the first one was terrible. The second one was terrible, and the third one I found a guy that was like me. And I told him, listen, no more bullshit. Talk to me straight. I give you information, give me back. Don't fool me. And it was a big change. I was involved in various uh, investigations, in various cases in which Israelis were involved, or Eastern European uh, uh, bad guys, and I was involved in their cases. Criminal and also terrorist, or terrorist is vis-a-vis uh, -vis Mossad and Shabak? No. We should express it that the, in America, in Israel, all terror cases are via the Shabak and Mossad. In uh, the U.S., it's all Justice Department. So in any case, there was, a, I'll give you an example. There was a visit of, of the, uh, uh, the terror, the head of the terror. Uh, Anti-terror section. Anti-terror section, uh, at that time, General uh, Dagan. And he, they demand the, 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 the American colleagues to, to be more proactive, more proactive against uh, terror groups. Terror groups, okay, transfer money transferring and stuff like this. And the bottom line was, intelligence is not enough. Bring us the evidence. The next day, we were in the Justice Department, and they all told the, the gun. Hezi is sitting behind, send the information through the police at the attaché, and we will go on. Now, one should, should uh, note here that uh, General Dagan, who later uh, went on to head the Mossad, mm -hmm. at that time had a staff position in the Prime Minister's Bureau. Yeah. So there was no organization behind him. And no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying... Say no, but, just... but also, these were the Clinton years where legality was very important. Yes. As you said, in order to indict, you must bring evidence, evidence. to a judge. So before you act, be before you take a targeted killing, you must have enough evidence. Okay, intelligence is not enough in this case. Now, uh, there are so many uh, federal agencies, the uh, Bureau of uh, Firearms and Tobacco and, uh, and Alcohol, and uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and of course the FBI and the Marshals Service. Um, which organization you found to be um, the most professional and the most cooperative? All of them. And I explain. Because of the size of this organization, too big, or relatively to Israel, okay? There was, in, uh, in Washington, there was a liaison officer organization, okay? Who were, who were the members of this organization? First of all, all the police liaison, the foreign police liaisons 
And then liaison officers among the Americans, among themselves, because they have liaison officers, of course, FBI and DIA. And the FBI and CIA. And so it's a matter of what kind of personal relation you develop. I'm not looking about the organization. I'm looking about the person who worked for me. And I had, I won't say success, but every time I, I need an, an assistance, now, there was the man, the right man or woman. You mentioned what you called the euphemistically Eastern Europe, but this is really former Soviet Union uh, criminal activities. Now, this is the decade after the Soviet Union disintegrated, the uh, decade of Yeltsin, mm-hmm. uh, right before Putin came to power, and there were oligarchs and gangs and criminal activities uh, trying to uh, penetrate Israel or to penetrate Israel, especially if they were Jewish, in order to get Israeli passports and move on. Um, was that a real threat to the Israeli system of government? At that time, yes. I remember uh, I sent a letter to Prime Minister, to Minister Shakal, who at that time uh, the Minister of uh, Internal uh, Security. Security. And I said, the title was a threat to Israel, a strategic threat to Israel. No, again, just, just uh, to note, um, Minister Moshe Shachar, when, when he became Minister of Police, changed the name yes. to internal or homeland uh, or domestic security. Okay, that was after Rabin assassination. Shimon Peres was the prime minister. Since then, since this, this letter, the first meeting of Prime Minister Shimon Peres as a, as a prime minister after the assassination was a discussion about how we deal with the uh, organized crime, with the oligarchs, and all. Uh, and what there was a debate between me and the head of Native. Native had to to uh, liaise with uh, Soviet jury or Russian jury, Yasha Kedmi was here uh, as one of our guests. Okay, and, was, and finally, uh, Shimon Peres decided that the, the, the item of organized crime or uh, East European organized crime will be part of the plan, the collection plan of all the organization. The tasking order. The tasking, for, the task all the organization. And that, from that time, it was a flow of information came from various either uh, police uh, organizations or intelligence organizations. But some of the intelligence organizations and the police organizations back there were also corrupt. How could you uh, count on the reliability of uh, such reports? Okay. You re- First of all, you receive all the information. Then you start to evaluate. I mean, it's not as easy. We were aware that this information can be contaminated. And it depends on the relations, who, who gave you the information, where it comes from, and this is a kind of a process. Now, um, recently, and um, a few years ago, uh, um, the Shabak, the ISA, uh, has been warning regarding um, foreign attempts to subvert democracy uh, through the elections, which is uh, what the FBI also said about the uh, 2016 uh, elections in the United States and probably 2020. 
Now, you're talking about the mid-90s, um, before the sophisticated uh, digital age. But did oligarchs and others try to subvert the 1996 elections uh, against Shimon Peres? Mm, not that we, at least what I remember, no. It doesn't mean that it was not. But I cannot recall now that at that time there was an attempt to influence the, the, the election. Now, uh, you came, and we mentioned it in our first uh, conversation, you came from a SIGINT background. Okay. At that time, at least, maybe it changed uh, over time, but at that time, most of the uh, intelligence in police work uh, came from human sources, human intelligence sources. Isn't that so? No, no. There was a SIGINT at that time. Not the way it, it's like today, but at, at that time, yes. It was a very developed SIGINT uh, system. Now, uh, the most crucial case uh, you worked on, uh, at least peripherally, you were not involved in the case itself, and obviously um, uh, not uh, in the event itself, but the Rabin assassination. Now, you are in Jerusalem as chief of intelligence. The event, uh, the uh, rally um, where Rabin was assassinated um, uh, when it ended was in Tel Aviv, um, five minutes from your parents' uh, home when you grew up. Yes. Um, and there is responsibility for Shabak, for the Internal Security Agency, and for the uh, police Tel Aviv district. What happened when you, a few months and a few weeks before the assassination, when you got raw information or when you had an intuition and released a warning? First of all, about intuition. On October 18, 1995, my uh, division first published, uh, 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 let's say, like a a red notice. This oh. is this is 18 days before the assassination. Yeah. A red notice. Red alert. Red alert. That these, uh, the prime minister is in danger. That was not based on intelligence. That was based on three, two or three events, in which uh, uh, his his car was besieged. And, and, uh, correct, correct. In uh, Wingate institution, institution and in the, uh, one of the interchange on uh, uh, Highway 2, and uh, I think another, another case, and we said they came too close to Rabin. But you had no response, you, the police, had no responsibility for uh, uh, security, for bodyguards. No, this is the, the, the field of the ISA, okay? Okay, let's go back to, uh, let's fast forward to the uh, November. What happened with the red alert? Who read it? Uh, who, who took action? It was point? spread all over the Israel police, okay? Only? Only uh, police? No, only in Shabak only, in Shabak too. Everybody got it. It was not a secret, it was obvious. Public domain. Okay. Uh, on November 5th, 
the day of the assassination. The, the day of assassination, four o'clock afternoon, there was a command, commander's... Uh, uh, briefing. Briefing, okay. The intelligence officer of the local sub-district mentioned the fact that there is a danger, a danger and Mr. Rabin might be in danger from an Israeli uh, source. Source, okay? Again, not based on intelligence, just public domain. And this is operational rather than intelligence. Yes. If I remember correctly, five o'clock, six o'clock, the, a new information comes uh, saying that from the Shabak that an Arab or an, a terrorist in, is in Tel Aviv will try to attack Rabin. Again, one, one should uh, uh, broaden the, the record here. Um, ten days earlier, Israeli uh, agents assassinated a Palestinian terrorist leader in Malta. And it, it was considered that a revenge action okay. could be taken. Fatrish Kaki. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Yes. Here. And actually, Shabak and the local police were all alert about what might happen. Whether it will be an Israeli assassin or a Palestinian or anyone else. Okay. And I'm not his. I'm not the. I'm not commanding the intelligence officer of the of the sub district. He belongs or he report to the local commander. But he was smart enough to tell all the the local commanders about the the information, the intelligence, whatever you you call it, about the two options. What did they do about it? I don't know. I don't know. But not enough, apparently. Yes. So, so um, uh, eventually, uh, you were called to testify in yes. the Commission of Inquiry, the Shamgar uh, Commission, uh, which investigated uh, the uh, assassination. And Shabak, as usual, tried to find a scapegoat uh, in police uniforms. But you managed to deflect uh, this criticism. Yes. What happened is the, the, the head of the of the division in Shabak, one of the heads... Non-Arab division. Non-Arab division, right. He said that he already passed an information or a document to the commissioner. Commissioner not, General of the Police. Commissioner General of the Police. Directly, not me, as an intelligence officer of the commissioner, in which he detailed an option that there will be a soli- uh, uh, an attack on the prime minister? An attack on the prime minister by a single uh, assassin. Assassinator. A assassin. Okay. A lone wolf. Okay, right. When this comes to the, to the Shamgar uh, commission. commission, I told Mr. Shamgar and I said, listen, if he declare here that he, Mr. Another Chazi Chazi Kalo, send the a document to the commissioner. Please invite the commissioner 
to testify in front of you. It's not me. And I ran away to the, to the commissioner office and I said, listen, did you get the, this information? He said, yes. I said, let me read it. Okay, I read the document, which was low level of intelligence, gossip, slash bullshit, rumors, slash nonsense, whatever you, you like in, in this family of words. Okay? This is not a warning. Yes. And it's written in red. Please don't keep it in your office. Send it back to Shabak headquarters, which give you an idea how they operated. Oh, Mr. Kahlo operated. By, by the way, it, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier in our first conversation about protecting sources and the exclusive nature of how organizations, intelligence organizations operate so that uh, they will be more prestigious. So why give the police intelligence official yourself the intelligence he needs for work if it can be kept only for the internal security agency. Since this conversation goes abroad, I, want, I don't want to go into details what happened down the road with Mr. Uh, Kahlo. The, Mr. Kahlo, the head of the non-Arabic uh, division in Shabak. But uh, it was terrible. Um, could such events, um, if another assassin uh, tries to repeat it, uh, perhaps by other methods. Could, they, could it uh, be prevented? Or, again, the Yom Kippur War. In April, May of 1973, there was warning, nothing happened. It happened in October. Let's say the uh, assassination attempt by the assailant, by Igal Amir, uh, was foiled. He said later that if uh, anyone told him to get away from uh, where he was hiding in plain sight, he would have gone home, but he would have tried once more. It can happen again. It can happen again. The, the extremists here in Israel are uh, gaining more and more power, and it can happen again. Now, um, when you retired from the police um, as, as a general, a brigadier general, uh, you went into uh, business intelligence, financial intelligence. Um, is it similar to what happens within national organizations or is it totally different? Uh, the motives are different. There is a profit motive. The, the, the uh, adversaries, if not the enemies, are different. I would say that the, when you work for the government, or for a government, okay, you are obligated by the law, you're obligated by the, by the instructions comes from the high command and stuff like this. And when you work for private uh, customers, I would say the boundaries are uh, flexible. Fle Fluid. <laughs> flexible, yeah, that's fair enough. Fluid, fle flexible, and uh, it depends on you. Because you don't have a list of do and undo. You should declare or you should 
put in front of yourself what I'm uh, ready to do, ready to do, and what I don't want to do. You were at one time the head of the trade association for the uh, um, financial intelligence uh, organizations. Okay. You, you had a, a sort of uh, a club, at least. Was there no code of ethics? There was code of ethics. There was a code of ethics. But listen, because it's all volunteer, you cannot inf- enforce anyone to behave or to follow the code, although they all agree about. So it's, it's, it's different. So uh, when you are in the military, um, you chase terrorists. When you are in the police, you chase criminals. And in the private sector, you chase dollars or shekels. It makes a difference. Uh, no, actually, I chased business, businesses, not not money, businesses. And and you have to assess future trends and and find future markets. What? what? No, not in this in this regard. No, no. My my. I took part in various. I won't say operations because it's not was on the field, but the idea was to find uh, businesses of. Uh, of criminals from the civilian side and not from the uh, from the uh, not from the police side uh, or not in, in order to bring evidence now um, we are getting uh, to the um, finish line uh, unfortunately so a couple of quick uh, sentences regarding your two former occupations as a military intelligence officer and as a police intelligence uh, officer. Um, you are privy to what has happened in your old unit 8200 uh, since you left, uh, at least as a veteran officer. Um, is it as good as advertised? Even better. Okay, you can't go into detail. Uh, Even on, better. Uh, obviously. And regarding the uh, national uh, police, the Israel national uh, police, after you left, investigations and intelligence were merged okay. under one roof with the um, uh, major general in charge having assets, not only staff officers. Okay. Is that an improvement? What happened is since I left... Not because you left, no. just after you left. After, after, after. Since... Uh, there was a couple of decisions that commissioners took to reorganize, to reorganize, to merge units and stuff like this. I have no, I cannot even judge whether it's better or not. I hope it's better. But it seems uh, that if the guy in charge of both investigations and um, uh, intelligence knows how to juggle his forces, he can do a better job of uh, deciding uh, what is uh, important and uh, what is urgent. It's, as I said before, it's a matter of people. I mean, it's not a matter of, it's of course a matter of profession, but at the end, we're speaking about heads of units. It's a matter of people. So if it's a matter of people, uh, we are glad that one of the people we had the pleasure of hosting here. Thank you. Um, Brigadier General Retired Hezi Leder. Thank you very much. And uh, maybe we will have you for a third conversation. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.